0: So, in tonight's episode of Vaginance, we will be discussing ways that we can store our liquid assets or hold on to our cash that isn't just storing your cash under your mattress or just storing your cash in your bank account. So we'll be talking about alternative places like high yield savings account, savings bonds and other stuff like that. More creative things and some might argue more sexy things than that even. In between your butt cheeks. Well, that's where I keep mine.
1: (laughs) The sexiest of places.
0: Yeah, if you don't... It's very important to know that it's in wads. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to stop storing your cash in wads between your butt cheeks or your cleavage,
2: keep listening.
1: It's got some pros.
3: It's got some
2: pros. I think we should acknowledge this is a listener-requested episode. Mm. This is from listener
0: Ellen. She sent me a thing about... Series I Savings Bonds and the lauded 7.12% that it is uh, offering right now. What? Um, Yeah, and she asked if... (laughs) (laughs) Looking over
2: <laughs> we've done our research actually. Ellen keep listening please
0: <laughs> and uh, this was a this was a blog post from a few months ago when it was announced what the interest rate would be for the first six months essentially of 2022 and um, yeah she was like is this too good to be true also what's the deal with high yield savings account um, I and, also want to know that right these are great questions so that's thank why Ellen. thank you Ellen Um Yeah, this is something we really want to talk about, especially for people maybe like myself who have lower risk tolerance and are very scared to do anything besides hold cash like a hoarder.
3: Um, So, I'm sorry, Becca, I have to call you out, though. Yes, please. When we, when Becca, until, like, very recently, Becca would stash cash by just, like, having crumpled up money, like, scattered (laughs) around the apartment. Also, that's still happening. (laughs) If you look in in our closet, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, literally, I would come over to hang out with her, and there'd just be like, what? like like a a little trail of $1 bills crinkled up on the floor, leading to
0: something. No, that's still very much my reality. Like, if you look on my dresser, there's like $120 in cash, literally crumpled. And then inside of Andy's closet, no one come to my house. Andy's closet, I have no idea much
1: money is in there but it is it's just like a cookie crumb trail of crumpled up yep. cash
0: yeah amazing anyways so <laughs> yeah that's very much why we're talking about this and alternatives to storing your cash but remaining relatively liquid if not entirely liquid so that's the big motivator today i'm really excited we i, I learned some interesting things um so i'm excited to discuss that oh yeah by the way this is becca taylor jules and maggie and we're vaginants. So places we can store our cash. So we've got Andy's closet. We've got the top <laughs> of my one, dresser. Andy's closet. Um, <laughs> so so those some problems with the keeping the cash in your closet or an equivalent with that is that as inflation continues, my cash in Andy's closet loses value. So we want to talk about options where you can store your cash and maybe allow your cash to grow with inflation without having to directly invest your cash and make it difficult to retrieve um, if there's an emergency or you need to make a down payment or something like
2: that. So, Julie, do you Uh, want to start? Well, I was going to say I have a suggestion as a good jumping in point um, because I find it useful for much of what this entire conversation will be about is just what is the definition of a liquid asset. Mm. So when we say liquid, like you automatically think cash, but it can be more than just cash. So I I have a definition I will just read from the internet so I don't butcher it myself.
0: Dictionary.com. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> defines liquid Define liquidity. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah basically a liquid <laughs> asset is any asset that can easily be converted into cash in a short amount of time and which is sort of vague right like who decides what short is but liquid assets include things like cash money market instruments and marketable securities so yeah basically something that can be turned into either is cash
1: or can be turned into cash quickly beautiful amazing and I think it is very important to highlight that we're talking about short-term cash that you don't want to put into long-term investments. Right. So we're not talking about cash that you're putting into retirement accounts. We're talking about emergency funds that you may need to liquidate in order to cover an expense on your car or your few months of unemployment if something happens like a global pandemic. Um, or opportunity funds like saving up for a down payment for real estate or investing in a business or anything like that. So we're talking about cash that you're kind of keeping on the sidelines, but you don't want it just totally losing value with the inflation we're dealing with right now.
0: And and it's something that cash that you can't lose in the chance that the market takes a dip right now. So when we invest, we... Hopefully, unless we're very knowledgeable swing traders, day traders, uh, or, f- or future, tellers. Um, future tellers, future tellers, future unless you
1: have a time machine,
0: unless you have a time machine, um, or you're a psychic like a real one, <laughs> uh, then you, if you're investing, then you're assuming that there's a very good chance that your money value will go down periodically and it'll go up periodically, and you're trusting that. The entire history of the stock market has showed us that value goes up, so you're trusting it's going to continue to go up, even with these little dips. So that's why you might not keep all of your cash in a taxable investing brokerage account, because there's a chance it'll dip for and you'll lose a lot of value for a period of time. So yeah. you don't want to keep your emergency fund in that if you don't can't afford for it to lose 50% of its value if something awful happens.
3: Well, that yeah. And uh, you will have to pay higher capital gains on it if you try to withdraw it. Within a year of investing it.
1: That too. But there won't be capital gains if you're taking it out at a loss.
3: True. Yes. I'm Yeah. I'm just saying another scenario is if you put money into your investment account, even if the economy is doing well, if you try to remove it, you're going to have to pay higher capital gains on removing that money within a year than um, if you had to wait or if you took it at a loss. So there's really, if you're trying to get that money out of one of those accounts, even if it's not a retirement account, there's no like quick and easy way to do it without paying money of some kind or losing money.
1: Right. Now, what's interesting about that is that most people are not aware that the interest they gain in their savings account is also taxable. Mm -hmm. So if I were going to pick and choose and I had a time machine that was going to tell me that the stock market was going to go bonkers, I would happily pay the taxes on my massive capital gains over paying the same tax rate on my savings account, twenty five, half a percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the process of
0: filing my taxes right now, and I had to submit my like, uh, yeah, interest I earned from my money market account. So I'll be paying, it, uh, I'll be paying taxes on my eighty one dollars that Woo! I got from my money market account. So brutal, it's yeah, so brutal, tough stuff.
3: Oh yeah, I'm kind of scared to do my taxes because like I have all these random investment accounts now. I have no concept of what my
2: taxes are going to be this year. Me neither. And that makes me nervous because I'm like, well, I've done all these different things and like normally they least have a ballpark idea of what it'll look like. And I'm like, I don't even have a slight idea. Mm. Of- I might even know money. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I don't um, need <laughs> what are some liquid assets that uh, aren't
0: cash? <laughs> <laughs> so like some places that we could store cash, do you
2: mean? Sure. What? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Where, where are some places you can store cash that aren't retirement accounts? Your traditional like high yield stock, savings account, stock market. Okay, yeah, high, ju- let's start jump there. in
1: on that. Jump high in in on yield savings account's favorite. Let's do crappy it's place very, to store. Very, it's very sexy.
3: <laughs> We've got opinions, so, guys. High yield savings accounts are like accounts where you can put your money that earn a little bit higher of a percentage than if you were to put them in just like a savings bank account, their high yield savings bank accounts. So like instead of earning 0.001% from your Schwab account, your high yield savings account gives you 0.1%. <laughs> um and so they used to be like kind of decent like mm-hmm. I think maybe a few years ago or maybe 5 a years ago a few decades ago. A few decades ago. Yeah, it all kind of blurs together. You could get like 2 to 4% kind of high yield savings accounts, but now um if you google it, like you could google like best high yield savings accounts right now and like a list will come up. They're usually like I think I was seeing like 0.1, 0.2%. I you think.
1: you can get like 0.5 to 0.65%. Mm, yeah. Which still is like, Doesn't what is that? If you inflation. put $1,000 in, you get 50 bucks at the end of the year, th- and then you have to pay taxes on it? So
3: it's like, Did I my math right? I don't think
0: I, you did, it, actually. I think it's less than that. You think it's $5? I think it might be $5, but now
1: I'm second-guessing. Wait, 0.05? <laughs> 0.5. 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.5. Half a percent. 1,000. 1%? 5,000. 100. Wait, it says- No, that's 10%. It's five dollars. Okay, it is five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's even worse than any <laughs> us could have imagined. People,
3: <laughs> <laughs> is it times point zero five or times 0.005? point zero zero, zero five? Point
2: zero zero five. It's yeah. five
3: dollars. <laughs>
2: And then you have to pay taxes on the five dollars.
1: Woo! So worth the pain so and effort of setting up the account, transferring your money in and getting your money out you when you need it. Won't even be able to buy a cup of coffee with the amount of money you've saved. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: So basically, what we're saying is a high yield savings account, really no difference from regular savings accounts in the long run, unless you have a shit ton of money in cash for some reason.
1: And like even a then shit ton. do
2: even something else
3: with it. You're yeah, making no, some you know, bad choices. Yeah. Like, like you would yeah. never put that in a high yield savings account you right, would only yeah. have at, like so you like, own a bunch of assets
2: i mean if you want a high yield savings account sure but like don't lose sleep over I it have,
0: how two, much would you have, have to have for i have two thousand dollars in my high yield savings account in betterment and i made six dollars <laughs> and 31 cents <laughs> in the year
3: of 2021 um if you had 10 million dollars in a high yield savings account you would make fifty
1: thousand in a year
3: okay. 10 million you'd have to have 10 million dollars <laughs> in, a, in a high yield savings account it's quite to an emergency
1: wow um yeah so not to bash on anyone who has a high yield savings account if you already have one set up and you're using it and love it that's great but depending on how much cash you're keeping in there it may not actually be worth it for you to set it up and send money back and forth from it
2: yeah like how much do you value your time yeah <laughs> i value
1: mine way more than $5 well i, I for every have thousand. a high yield savings
2: account but it's because i already have it set up right like i'm not gonna go through the effort of unsetting it up like there's no difference to me Mm -hmm. either way but yeah i don't make money on it it's just like a savings account like a banking account
0: and maggie's and mine and hopefully anyone who has a high yield savings account is fdic insured so it does work the same way as a savings account does in that if something tanks you're not going to lose your money it's insured but do make sure that yours is fdic insured because it's not all of them it was a very sexy thing especially in the last couple of years it got really sexy where people wanted to open up high yield savings accounts and there's some like online banks that aren't fdic insured so just make sure if this is something you want to try great advice
1: yeah <laughs> you're just, since yeah. since there is potentially a run on canadian banks happening right now which does put people's money at risk so it is good to have fdic insurance <laughs> wait
0: bank. what is happening with canadian banks
1: this is a much longer conversation yeah. than I am. Don't, don't ask Julie about Canada. Number one rule of podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm there, sorry, There's just like an emergency order going on and a big pissing match between the government and some of the citizens and blockades and <laughs> bank runs Bye. and anarchy.
0: Anarchy in Canada. Um, okay, so we've heard a little bit about high-yield savings account. And then the the things that a lot of us might be already exposed to is just your normal savings account your normal checking account maybe a money market account if your bank offers that uh, maybe that's some maybe those are some accounts that you're very familiar with so we're kind of shifting the conversation to the stuff that maybe we have less exposure to like high yield savings account and if we want to jump into it series i savings bonds
2: so what i was thinking and y'all can X N A this but julie made a beautiful table that is extremely uh, helpful it's gorgeous yay um and really good and i was thinking we could just go down the table because we already started cash high yield savings account (laughs) we're already two steps down the table let's Uh, just continue this trend and that way the podcast kind of follows the table yeah i love Um, it all right well the next thing on the table which i know (laughs) nothing about so i will definitely pass the baton over to julie probably is the ulp low risk etf portfolio
1: yeah. So this was something really surprisingly compelling that I came across as somebody who does not typically invest in stocks and, and whatnot, um, and particularly not bonds. But this is something that some guy coined called the ultimate liquidity portfolio. And it's a way oh. to invest your cash to try to stay ahead of inflation, but still in very liquid ETFs. And so it actually mimics a lot of retirees portfolios because it's really bond heavy, Mm -hmm. but just enough stocks in there and having both in, he has like an 88% um, intermediate term bond portion. Intermediate term bonds have maturation dates between two and 10 years. Um, And then a 12% stock total stock market index allocation that actually makes the entire portfolio less volatile than having it all in bonds or all in stocks. Wow. And he was actually making a lot of tax arguments on this because the um, federal treasury bonds are exempt from state taxes, which doesn't really matter to us in Texas because we don't have state income taxes. But in a lot of the country, that's a big deal. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Like if you have your stuff in a high yield savings account that's not making you any money and you're in a high income tax state you're paying state income taxes and federal income taxes on your $55 a year.
2: <laughs> do not <don't> exaggerate
1: here. <laughs> um, and this would actually make more money and have a lower tax burden, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Um, So there is the chance, like you are invested in bonds and stocks, there is a chance that in a really bad year, it could go down. But the performance of this thing historically is actually pretty impressive compared to cash and especially compared to stocks as far as like down years. Mm -hmm. When there's a really bad year, it might go down, but it doesn't go down by much. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some charts I'll put in the show notes that are really interesting that kind of compare cash, this portfolio and stocks. And it'll give you, there's a chart that's the nominal value. So like Mm -hmm. in dollar amounts, what the trends are. Mm -hmm. And then in the real value of these things. So after inflation and taxes have been taken out. So yeah, I thought this was actually really compelling because you can literally invest in something like the, so there are two Vanguard funds. There's the VGIT, which is the intermediate term treasuries. And then the VTI, which is the Vanguard total stock market index. And you just take the amount of cash you want to put in put 88% into the bond ETF, 12% into the stock ETF, rebalance once a year. Whenever you need to withdraw it, this is a normal brokerage account. So however long it takes you to sell an ETF and transfer that out to your bank account. So
0: this is a DIY. You don't buy a ULP ETF. You are DIYing 88%.
1: Okay, got it. Cool. So you're investing into two different ETFs, one's for bonds, one's for stocks, but it's pretty low effort that's brilliant
3: i have a vanguard balanced index fund that is like half bonds and half stocks
1: yeah and you you'd want to look at it make sure it is intermediate term bonds because there are bonds that are up to like 30 years or they're short-term bonds like Mm -hmm. treasury bills can be one month right so this is very specifically intermediate term bonds with maturation dates of two to ten years Um, And that just happens to work out really well.
2: So because we're just throwing
1: uh, the term out a lot, can we define bonds? Yes. So bonds can be issued by like government or corporations. And it's basically we buy the bond. So we're loaning money to them and they're going to pay us back that principal on the maturation date. And in the meantime, they're going to pay the interest rate that they've offered for that bond. Mm -hmm. So, yeah,
2: it's different from a stock because it's like, not based on a company's success you're lending money your money to the government Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. um also you did mention that for in this scenario the etf portfolio um the processing time is based on you know how quickly you can sell and get the money from your brokerage account your bank account um we didn't talk about cash and high yield savings account being like the quickest. So I was just going to add in timeframes cash. Obviously the fastest way to get cash is having cash. Second, having it in your bank account. That's pretty pretty fast. Third, this ETF portfolio is probably a pretty safe bet. And I'm only mentioning this because it's kind of the order we're going in is how quickly mm-hmm. you can move cash. Thanks for putting this table together. Also, um, I found it very helpful having zero knowledge about this topic before preparing for this podcast. Very welcome.
1: I was quite happy with this table because I was like, oh, this actually gives me a framework to think about like, oh, should I be sticking some of the cash that I'm saving up for real estate or whatever into some of these things? And I think the table is helpful because it doesn't necessarily say, here's the one place everybody should stick their cash. But it says like, oh, maybe I'll put some in this and some in this because I like the balance of, of splitting my risk over those two options.
2: Yeah. And that's something that we had kind of talked about in our group text as well Is like, it's very dependent on your personal situation. Like, how much cash do you need? How quickly do you need the cash? What are your risk tolerances? Like, all of that's going to depend on this. Obviously, we've talked about that in other podcasts in relation to stocks, but it is relevant here as well. Yeah.
0: And the idea is to appeal to people even with the most conservative risk tolerances. Because essentially, this is where you could keep your emergency fund. And your emergency fund is something that you want to remain extremely stable. We just want to also beat inflation. Well, At least somehow keep some sort of pace with inflation, (laughs) if not beat
1: it. Um, Okay, so just a couple quick stats on that ultimate liquidity portfolio of the bonds ETFs and the stock ETFs. Um, In the data since 1972, so that'd be like when we came off the gold standard. Since 1972, the real return, so that takes into account the inflation and taxes of this portfolio comes out to approximately 1.8% per year which is not a ton, but it's way more than the other options we've discussed so far. Well, and that inclu- that adjusts for inflation, right? Correct. So that's 1.8% beyond inflation. And compared to cash, cash is usually negative half a percent over that time frame. And stocks are up 4.7% over that time frame of real returns. So that's beyond inflation and taxes. So that's not bad. Mm, for that's something awesome. that's like a fairly low risk investment to have your money in the the dude who wrote about this he's got a book on amazon that's re- a really short read very concise um so i'll drop a link to that in the show notes as well
0: cool. okay um but i'm very excited for the next thing on the chart that is gonna be a julie heavy <laughs> explanation
1: uh, okay next up um, this is the thing that I find you will not be surprised. I find most compelling. <laughs> and these are USD pegged stable coins, so it'd be cryptocurrencies that are in interest-bearing accounts. So there are a couple of financial institutions, you might've heard of BlockFi or Celsius. Um, And both of these offer the ability that if you buy stable coins that are tied to the US dollar, so the value, this would be like even Coinbase, they have like USDC, which is a cryptocurrency that they keep pegged to the same value as the US dollar. So one of these should be equal one US dollar, no matter what. But if you keep those stable coins in an account with one of these institutions, They'll actually pay you 8 to 9.5% annual interest on the stable What? Coins. Why are we all okay. doing this?
0: How consistent How? is that? Is that just like maybe some years it'll do that or maybe some months it'll pay
1: you that much? Those are the current published rates.
0: How long do the rates last
1: for? They'll tell you if they're changing them, but it's been that way for a while now. Hmm. How yeah. do you set that up? So you go to, I think BlockFi might not be... Allowing new users to open this type of account right now, but I think Celsius still is. So if you Google Celsius Crypto or go to our show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, you just go on there. Celsius is great. They don't have any fees for withdrawing. So on BlockFi, if you happen to already have one of these interest bearing accounts, you can make one withdrawal per month fee free. And then if you need to make more than that, then they charge you a fee. And that's published on their site. Um, Celsius doesn't have any fees for withdrawing and stuff. And the reason that they do this is because these institutions provide liquidity to markets. So basically, if I store $1,000 of my stable coin with them, they get to loan that out to other people who are using it and those people are paying really high interest rates on it right now and they're actually giving back the kickback to us. So this is how banks used to work when we had higher interest rates on our savings. But banks don't have to do that anymore, but in the crypto market they are.
0: So I know I warned or mentioned that some high yield savings accounts are not FDIC insured. Is something like this FDIC insured
1: or some sort of equivalent? So these are not FDIC insured and you should definitely look into each platform specific things. Um, For both BlockFi and Celsius, I believe they are asset backed, so they're collateralized Mm. or at least 50% collateralized. So like the people who are borrowing all of our pooled together money from something like BlockFi, they're putting half of the cash up upfront in order to borrow 100% of our funds, which is like an impressive amount of collateralization. BlockFi also stores their assets at some of the big, is it like Gemini or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so they do storm with all these other there are different types of insurance. So it's not FDIC insured like a bank account, but legitimate providers of this do have large collateralized backing and other types of insurance. Mm-hmm. So it might not be a place where you want to stick your entire emergency fund, but it might be worth trying out with part of it and then seeing how you feel comfort-wise.
3: So well, if I'm downloading the app. Um, do you <laughs> Can you link it to your bank account and then literally just transfer over like USD to it? Or does it have to be in
1: crypto? Mm, good question. I haven't set up Celsius yet because uh, I don't have any cash to send anywhere. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you can send... Actually, I think I think they do accept like ACH bank transfers, which means you could send USD in just like you would at Coinbase and uh-huh. then get it transferred into a USD pegged stable coin.
3: Interesting. Mm-hmm. So right now I have Coinbase Pro mm-hmm. and I invested a bunch of money in... Stuff. So impressed with you. Thanks. I've What's like tough? gained and lost a thousand dollars, like in day, like a day. I was like, well, thousand, and then I lost a thousand. Then I was up, like it's just constant. Welcome to crypto. Yeah. Wait, what did you buy? Okay. So sorry, I'm totally derailing this conversation now into crypto. I have two point five coins in Ethereum. Wow. Nice. That's not insignificant. It no, is yeah. not nothing. Um, I have. I basically bought, like, all of the stuff Zach told me to get. (laughs) I bought Avalanche, Polygon, Chainlink, Solana, Cardana, Polkadot, Wrapped Luna anyways i'm very confused because now it's like i gotta download those other two apps that zach told me to do and i don't even know what those do
0: honestly though this is a good insight into your first steps into crypto it's a bunch of like wait what What do i do
3: (laughs) what where actually you have to
0: download coinbase (laughs) if you want to use kraken because you can't transfer like there's a lot of that
3: and then you're like what is Mm wait and then to get kraken you have to have this other thing and then you should transfer Mm -hmm. it here and Mm -hmm. i'm just like i don't know what's happening
1: Kraken does have the best logo out of all of the exchanges.
0: That's why you get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I found that very compelling because it's a really decent um, annual interest rate, fairly liquid because you could withdraw out of the asset at any time and transfer it back to your bank. So as long as you have a week's worth of cash on hand, you could probably get that back in your bank account. I
2: have a One hypothetical clock. for you. Tell. So we've talked about this before on our podcast, but... I have changed the way that I pay my mortgage so that I now pay taxes and every month I put one twelfth of what I'm predicting my property tax are going to be into my savings account which is doing nothing for me as we discussed I might get five dollars out of that what if I put it into this I would that All is right. not financial advice. <laughs> I'm going to try it, listeners, and I will let you know how much I regret that
1: or am excited about it at the end of the year. Well, so this is what I'll tell you since you're doing it one month at a time, the first yeah, time you put it. money in, track. it's 112th of your total risk. Well, right now, it we're hitting 312. Speed. Okay. Okay. So you put three months worth. That would be a quarter. You're putting a quarter of your total funds in. And then by the time you have to do it again next month, you can kind of look at it and be like, oh, yeah, see, it seems like it's working.
3: <laughs> I think seems I'm gonna legit. Try it. I think that's a I'm good, gonna, that's yeah. really smart. let's really see what happens. Okay. I'm interested in this. I'm, I'm doing it, y'all. And... I'm verifying my identity right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it as well and potentially use this as my um, property tax account. Cool.
0: Well, Julie's got some converts.
2: Write <laughs> <laughs> in, listeners. Has it worked on you?
0: <laughs> are you also downloading the app <laughs> like the rest of us are?
2: Me? No, I'm making myself a note because if I don't write things down, I won't remember them. So I'm writing myself a note that says create stablecoin account, transfer
1: money. <laughs> Someone else want to take... a. Uh- Short term treasury bills, one month ones. They're not sexy. They're not sexy,
0: but it's what it sounds like, guys. The bill expires within 30 days, which means it qualifies
1: to be something in your emergency fund. Right. It's not super liquid, but it's liquid enough if you have one month's worth of expenses on hand in cash. Mm -hmm. But the interest rate paid on this is abysmal these days. Mm -mm. Currently, they're paying out like 0.03%. On a one month, that gives you basically point three six percent in a year, mm. which is not worth it in my opinion. But people like to talk about T bills, Treasury bills, so I thought we should throw it on there. And
0: then don't you just go to the website treasurywhatever dot gov mm-hmm. and you just mm-hmm. fucking buy it, guys? It's like something your grandma would have done if you want to be like your grandma. My grandma did. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma bought some T-bills and I got to cash them out at like something like 25 years later and they were worth like $300. So that's something that's fun. Yeah, (laughs) maybe there's like, because what was cool about that is that it was like a paper certificate I got to bring into a bank. I liked that. If it were me now, I feel like that was like 23 year old Becca. 32 year old Becca would probably hang on to it just for the sentimentality. 23 year old Becca (laughs) did not have those feelings. (laughs)
1: Right. Now it's like, oh, that in a frame is worth more than the interest it's going to pay Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a diploma
4: hmm
2: that's too depressing <laughs> oh my god i stumbled upon my high school whatever diploma recently and i was like why do they even give me this <laughs> throw, like put it in a box somewhere see it once every decade and
0: it be, is like,
1: weird depressed when i look at it like nothing was more anticlimactic than getting my university diploma in the mailbox folded in half in an envelope that specifically says do not fold. Ah! (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, a- and I'm, I'm sure a lot of universities do this, but A&M, it's a gaudy it's a gaudy school. We're really big in the school spirit to the point where it's nonsense. So my diploma is in this like huge frame that's like maroon and white and like gold and it's Texas A&M University. And now I just carry it around. What am I going to do with this? It's not like me and Andrew are going to decorate half a wall with
1: our diploma. You don't want to hang it in your massage office? Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right team i got a bachelor's that i'll never use again
1: <laughs> i kind of like that though i feel like you should take it as decor i should
2: i, I also I, should get a master's i do have my bachelor's that. hanging in my office but simply because like i don't know what else like i guess i could put it in the closet instead but i like i have it and there's wall space so i put it up but i also am kind of sometimes embarrassed that i have it up Mm-mm. you paid a lot of money for that diploma That's true. It did cost a lot of money.
0: Um, So moving on, we have kept this for last (laughs) because it's been such a sexy topic since like November of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the reason it is is because for whatever reason, social media has really clicked on to this. Like It's gotten a lot of people's attention. Um, Mine mine included. Because it sounds very sexy. A 7.12-ish percent return on an investment that only has a one-year lockup. So what that sounds like is you could put some money into this and then take it out in a year and get seven ish percent interest on that. That's not exactly what it is. Um, there are
1: some catches for. You're l- talking about I bonds. Yes. Sorry. Did I not say that? No.
0: <laughs> I'm talking about I bonds. We're,
1: get, we're getting into what everybody wants to know about. We're talking now. about the hot Series.
0: topic. We're, we're like three months late <laughs> for this to be the hot topic.
1: Series I savings bonds. These, These are inflation tied bonds issued by the government,
0: which I think conceptually is a sexy idea. So there's like two things. There's a, a fixed interest rate that you're guaranteed, which right now is 0.00%. Right.
1: So exactly. <laughs> if you hold, yeah. So if you, back in the late 90s, there was a fixed interest rate of like three to three and a half percent on these babies. And you can hold these things for 30 years. So every year it's going to pay out mm-hmm. that fixed rate. So. If you bought it then. If you bought it then. Whatever the fixed rate is when you buy it is the fixed rate you're stuck with the entire time. So right now, the fixed rate is 0%.
0: 0%. But there's two things. you got the fixed rate and then you've got the inflation adjustment interest, whatever rate. Um, And that's what's that sexy high 7% number. Um, So (laughs) the issue with that is that this percentage can change every six months. So you could sign on with your 0% fixed rate and then your 7% interest rate for inflation. And then in six months, they theoretically, though, that should be tied to inflation. That's the whole point of it. That doesn't mean they have to abide by that. So theoretically, in six months, they could switch that to 0.35% if they wanted to. Um, There's no limit on how much they can raise or drop that. So you can sign on to this with this high interest rate, but you're only going to get it for a few months and then you have no idea what you're going to get after six months and we're already a couple months in
1: but if you buy it during the six month period when that rate is active you get that rate for the first six months you own it yes so if you oh okay yeah so it doesn't end like you don't just get it up until the new rate is issued you get six months at that rate and then when your rate six months expires you get the latest published rate for your next six months Mm -hmm. so if you buy them now before the end of april you will get that 7.12 percent rate for six months Mm mm-hmm which is actually 3.56 because the 7% is an annual rate, which is why this is so hilarious. Is
0: that true, though? Because I was reading about this and it seems like you're giving you're getting that 7% for six months. And then you just don't know what
1: it's going to switch to after that. The 7% is the annual rate. So you, you
2: are getting 3. that, 3. but only 35 So, like if it's 3.5 for the first six months and then it's one for the next six months, then it totals to 4.5.
1: Yeah, but that still doesn't make sense. It's weird that they publish it as an annual rate when the rate changes on six month cycles. The current six month rate is actually 3.56. So they annualize it at 7.12, but you're not guaranteed to get that rate for the second six months. Mm. So that's not the effective annual rate that you will get. You'll
0: get. You stop to get gas. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So
1: there you go, guys. So these these are not the worst thing in the world. Although I would say that if you look at the historical rates, they are nothing like this anomalous 7% annual rate that we have right now.
2: Right. Like to me, it feels very not risky because,
1: you know, it it's still money that belongs
2: to you and you could take it out. You're not months, losing right? money. You're not losing money. But like you can't at, in any way count on that seven percent like there's no guarantee
1: to that at all right so if you're happy with you're going to make a minimum in the next year of 3.56 percent, plus there will be some sort of inflation tied rate in the next six month cycle could be more than than the seven percent that they've deemed for this one more than likely it will be less um the bigger problem for me with these is that i think it's a mismatch for the goals of cash on the sidelines. Because this cash we're keeping on the sidelines typically is for emergency funds or near-term investments. So it needs to be more liquid than one year. And also, if you pull funds out of these before five years have passed, you lose the last three months of interest. So if you pull it out at the year one mark, you'll get that 3.56 for your six months, and then you'll get three months of whatever the next interest rate is. So that's a pretty big hit. It's not terrible with the current rate, but I think this would be a better fit if you're actually like so flush with cash, but you don't want to invest it in something risky and you're trying to build up some really big emergency fund for a few years from now. Sure, throw it in this. Like If you're trying to convert your emergency fund into funds that will be liquid in a few years, but you know you're not going to need it in the next year, you could start putting stuff into this. But I think the historical rates don't give me a lot of confidence in holding something like this for 1 to 5 years.
0: And again, it is it doesn't qualify as an emergency fund option, guys, cuz it right. is a lockup of 1 year. Right. Right. So, it's an investment.
2: And apparently, mm-hmm. according to Julie's notes, there is a purchase limitation on mm-hmm. these as well.
1: You can only buy $10,000 worth of these in digital i-bonds annually, and then if you have a tax refund, You can elect to have your refund by up to $5,000 worth of these in paper annually.
0: So if you have $10,000, like think about the money that you could pull in with your absolute max of a year, assuming this percentage holds out versus like if you have your high yield savings account of 0.5%, basically you'd have like a $600 gain on this account versus if you had put that $10,000 in a high yield savings account. Or a money market account, I guess, of, like, 0.5%. So, like, $600 isn't nothing, but, like, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Well, also, it's assuming, like, Julia was saying, that it's not... That can't be your emergency fund because you can't pull it out for a year. Mm -mm. Right. So, it's got to be something beyond that. So, is it really liquid? I don't know. Well, it's not liquid. Yeah. For me, a year is not liquid. Maybe for someone else it might be, but... No, it's
0: not. I mean, like, by financial standards, it's not.
2: Okay. Well, then, yeah, it's not liquid, so... It's, yeah, I would I wouldn't call it that.
3: I guess um is the benefit to something like this over just like putting your money in the stock market is that
1: it do- it's not like affected by the stock market.
0: Yeah, there's no risk. I mean, right. you're not going to lose your money.
1: Yeah. You're but just... you you could have a 0% return on these. Yeah. It might That's have, totally possible. It might
0: not keep up with inflation even though the whole point is that it does.
1: Also, remember the inflation rate on these is based on what the government has decided the inflation was based on the CPI numbers. And what's CPI again? The Consumer Price Index. Oh, okay. I believe So it's like they take the basket of goods and they compare what it costs now versus what it cost before. And that shows you the inflation. Mm. But they pick what's in the basket of goods. And this could be an entire episode, but there are so many obvious flaws to this. Like the way that they determine housing costs for like renting a place isn't by asking people who rent houses. It's by asking homeowners who may have had mortgages for 20 or 30 years what they think their house would rent for. Mm. they have no idea what their house would rent for given current market conditions because they don't rent and they're not trying to rent their house out. Oh my God. Like ask people who actually rent in that market or ask a realtor. So, but they do this very specifically in my opinion, because it depresses that number and slows down the appearance of inflation in the CPI. Hmm. So I don't happen to think that the inflation numbers they're working with are accurate to the inflation that we are experiencing. Yeah. Everyone's out to get us.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is out to get us. We really do just need to get a compound out in the woods. Dude, I know. (laughs) Um, So
2: I had an idea of something. I was like looking at your table and I was like, what are some other liquid assets that are like maybe a little creative that aren't on this table? And I had one that... I have not invested in, but I have desired to invest in, although I'm a little afraid. And something that I think is could be very liquid, short term, mm-hmm. um, high value collectible items. Oh, go on. Mm. Yeah. So if you, I don't know, like invest in something that you know is highly collectible and is is a hot market. Um, The thing that comes to my mind, because I have read about people having success with this, and it seems like something that would be fun for me specifically, like, I don't know, think uh, anyone else in this room would enjoy it.
1: This is a sexy lead up is Legos. (laughs) Oh, Legos is a crazy market, actually. I have a bunch of Legos. You could could invest
2: in some really, like, hot Lego sets, like some of the Star Wars ones and stuff. Hold on to them for a little while. Um, They probably would always sell for at least what you bought them for. You could probably turn that over pretty quick on eBay. And have the
1: potential of making a pretty good amount of money. Even individual Lego pieces, because there will be people who have a particular set, they're missing a piece and they pay top dollar for that.
3: Yeah. So that's yeah. actually really interesting. Like <laughs> like buying those sets and then just selling them individual piece by piece. Pieces.
1: You're, you're like the Lego. Oh, that
2: would yard. take up so much time. It but would, like it could it potentially would. potentially make you some good money. Yeah, because
3: you could sell each for like ten dollars a piece. But
2: when I was thinking about that, because like I I can't remember who was talking about this, but they have a friend, maybe it was Kittroy was telling me that she has a friend who invests in Legos and that, He doesn't make a ton of money, but he just loves it. Like, he just fucking loves Legos and has so much fun buying them, like, getting into it, reading about it. And I was like, I could see myself being that person. Lego (laughs) broker. Like, so much fun. Even if you just make, like, 1%, like, that's a fun thing to do. But then I was like, what other collectibles? There's fucking Pokemon cards. There's fucking, I don't know, all sorts of crazy nerd shit that could just be super fun. And I would consider pretty liquid. Thoughts on this? Thoughts on... I think I feel like anyone else have anything else that you may have thought of that was a liquid asset that wasn't covered on this list? No. Okay. I mean,
0: (laughs) cash in your boyfriend's closet. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think this is helpful because, especially if you're someone like me, I already said this, who was really hesitant to invest because I didn't want to see all this money that I saved for a decade or more just potentially cut in half overnight because i invested at the exact wrong time um especially right now the markets feels a little volatile (laughs) so if this is something that gives you anxiety but you also have the wherewithal to realize that just holding on to cash in a bank account isn't accounting for inflation these are really good options do your own research Figure out the one that's going to sit the best with you. But I would encourage you to like really genuinely explore these because I think over time you're going to be really grateful that you did.
2: Or else you're just losing money to inflation like I and have done for a decade. Diversity seems to be the key. So, you know, just don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-mm. All your eggs in one liquid basket. Mm. Um. So I feel like it's not very late um, do we want to talk about personal stuff? Mm. Can I ask Since- a question first?
1: Mm-hmm. How- no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, Just kidding. You- of course. <laughs> of course you can, Julie. <laughs> How much does everyone keep or want to keep in liquid cash, like emergency funds or semi-liquid investments?
2: Too much. <laughs> yeah, Becca-, <laughs> Becca. Not enough. <laughs> One million dollars.
0: <laughs> Mine is over 50%. Mine's about 50%. Oh, wow. Of my
2: That's mind blowing to me. That is a lot.
0: It's wrong. But that is still it's-
2: better than, you know, a year and a half, two mm-hmm. years ago where it was 100%. So
0: it's because I've been in denial that I'm going to buy a house. That will never happen.
1: OK, so I was going to say that it is helpful to break it down based on like, this is how much I keep for an emergency fund. But right now I'm also keeping X amount for a near term investment.
0: Yeah. So it's
1: like, what's your actual comfort level for like emergency fund?
0: How many months? I mean, yeah. How
1: many years, Becca? How many years? A year. I think a year
0: is my emergency fund comfort level.
1: I don't think that's insane. I think it's on the high end, but I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. It's because I have a stable
0: job and I'm a single person without children and major liabilities. A professional would tell you that a year is far too much, (laughs) but it's fine. Um, but I have far more than that because I want to potentially put a down payment down.
2: What about y'all? So for me, I always have in like literal cash enough to cover me for the next month in the scenario that none of my tenants pay me rent and, um, like, or bills. Literal cash, like in your home? No, in my like savings account. Okay. Um, But I have, yeah, enough to cover my mortgage by myself with no tenants and enough to cover all the bills with no tenants. Um, So I don't need that much, assuming that... You guys are gonna keep paying me rent. Oh, well, we are, but like <laughs> dirt bags. No, but like I don't know, like something detrimental might happen in your right, life, right? right? And I, there's no of either of us can't control that. So I have one month of that always, and then in stocks that I can within a week or two weeks move into my savings account, which I is
0: keep- like a taxable brokerage account.
2: Yes, um, I have enough to cover me for about three to four months after that same, but the same like standards of like, assuming I'm not getting rent from anybody and nobody's helping me pay bills. Like this is all just me taking care of myself. And hopefully that never fucking happens. But like, that's my safety limit. And then uh, beyond that, everything's kind of tied up outside liquid, solid,
1: solid assets, (laughs) solid non-gaseous, illiquid. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'd say we usually fluctuate between one and three months of emergency fund, which would be the amount we need to cover personal and business expenses. Mm-hmm. And it, it fluctuates wildly. But I'm usually happy if there's at least one month in there and sometimes three months.
3: I used to have no money <laughs> set aside for emergency funds. Me too. Because <laughs> I lived month to month off my paychecks uh, for most of my adult life. Yeah. Um, So lately, because I did that cash out refi, I've been trying to, like, figure out where to put all my money and how to, like, potentially, like, diversify some assets. And um, I put some in, like, crypto and some in the stock market and, like, my Roth IRAs. I'm trying to keep at least – ideally, I'd I'd like to keep, like, 50 or 60K, like, cash for a down payment or something like that if – like, potentially, I can, you know, buy another, um, like, house or real estate investment, which doesn't really leave too much left over, maybe a month or two worth of stuff to pay my mortgage and, like, if, no yeah, if everyone stopped paying me, yeah, probably about a month or two saved up. And there you go.
2: <laughs> that was all. Please continue, no, Maggie. <laughs> Listeners, tell us what, what your, you know emergency, fund, emergency fund limits are and how that affects what you're investing in. Because we want to know. I so want to know.
0: Um, thanks for listening, y'all. It was a lot of fun to talk about places that we can store our cash, our liquid assets. I know I definitely want to shift some things around. Uh, if this episode inspired you at all or had brought up more questions for you of how to manage liquid assets, how to manage your cash, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us on our Instagram at Vaginance Podcast, on our website, Vaginance.com where you can leave a little voice message, which we love so much. Please leave those for us or just message us. That's great too.
1: Should we also include the voice memo that we got? From Caitlin? Okay, I've got it.
0: I'm gonna press
4: play, everybody. Hello, vagina I just wanted to send some love. This is my favorite podcast. I love it so much. I get so excited when a new episode comes out. You guys are inspiring. Um, I've always been interested in personal finance and listening to your podcast kind of helps me, you know, open up my spreadsheets, get them updated, take a look at my net worth again, you know, kind of check back in and keep track. And you've also turned me on to some new interesting ways to invest i think i'm going to start roth in this year um putting some money in a roth ira and yeah just you know inspirational it's the best i just would love nothing more than to sit around and fill out end of life documents with y'all and have some coffee so keep on keeping on and i'll keep listening and just much love from houston texas
0: so that's from our lovely listener, Caitlin, and we love to get these voice messages, especially that one that was so sweet. And we also would like to fill out end of life documentation with you, Caitlin. Thank over you, Caitlin. Coffee.
2: That like almost brought tears to my eyes. Is really, really sweet. Thank it you so much. Wow. Very sweet.
3: She sounds hot. She does <laughs> sound <laughs> hot. Caitlin, you
2: can come for coffee anytime. <laughs> anytime, girl. My when I picture. Like the federal bank. I Have you guys seen um,
1: Harry Potter? <laughs> yeah.
2: Have I you have. seen Harry Potter? No. Don't like
3: that show. <laughs> there's a big banking match. <laughs> no, but the new Marvel Money Protected by Goblins.
2: <laughs> oh, Loki. The new Loki show on the Marvel show. That. No, you Marvel okay. nerd bucket. Okay, All right, never mind. Well, essentially, there's like, secret shit happening behind the scenes that nobody understands and like nobody can explain to anyone and they're like what's going on everyone's like we fucking no idea like (laughs) no one knows what's going on we just do it like kind of thing and like watch the show loki that's how i imagine the federal (laughs) 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 Uh, that's great